exploring interesting topics that impact our lives and fascinating ideas that get us thinking. I'm Kyle. And I'm Kelly. And this is Things to Think On. started um, looking at our schedule for the upcoming school year in terms of extracurricular activities for the kids and the schedule is looking pretty packed. I don't think that you're even fully aware of how busy it's going to be. Probably not. (laughs) So uh, Monday evenings are going to be pretty normal but Tuesday afternoon we have both of our kids doing music lessons from four to five so that's going to keep Tuesday um, pretty busy And then we'll be able to, you know, have our family activities after. But Wednesday is when things are going to get pretty hairy. As of right now, I have McKinley, our daughter. She's planning on doing dance classes starting at 4.15 and going until 6. And then for six weeks in the fall, she'll also be doing double duty that same day with soccer from 6 to 7. That's going to be pretty difficult for her. And then McCoy, he'll also have dance classes starting at 6.45 to 7.30 on Wednesdays. So you and I are going to be busy going back and forth between all of these things. Wow. So like <laughs> right in front of us, we have like a written out somewhat of a calendar. And it's most of the afternoons and evenings. I'm just seeing it now for the first time are pretty much filled up. It is looking incredibly busy. Super busy. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at that calendar on Wednesday evenings, we're going to be busy all afternoon until nearly eight o'clock in in the evening. And our kids are pretty young. So that's a pretty, pretty late evening full of activities. And then again, on Thursday, we've got more soccer all evening. So it's looking pretty busy. And it's really got me concerned, too, about um, just how we can balance all of these activities with the way school is right now. The kids, you know, they don't get out of school until 3.30, so it doesn't leave that much time in the evening to fit in these extracurricular activities that are really important to us in terms of shaping our kids and letting them have lots of opportunity to grow. Yeah, it's interesting because we... We talk about it as extracurricular, meaning outside of the normal curriculum, but we view them as pretty essential activities and important enough that we're obviously dedicating time to them and dedicating pretty significant resources. And I know a lot of people probably feel the same way that we're feeling right now, looking at the schedule of you know, what it's looking like filling up, you know, the entire afternoon and evening with things. And, you know, that's after kids get out of school. So just thinking about, my goodness, how are we going to fit all of this in? You know, we're just kind of coming into that as our kids are moving into that phase of grade school. And I think a lot of people would probably think, well, that's kind of the normal transition of, you know, kids get busier and busier and family life just gets more and more crazy. But I think really what we ought to be asking is, why is that the case? And should that be the case? Because I think ultimately, no, it shouldn't be, is the right answer. Yeah, I totally agree. Because these are all 
important parts of education and we're having to uh, lose out on a lot of family time in the evenings in order to make this happen. And it's largely due to that full-time schedule of school that they're in. And it makes you wonder, how did we get to this point where education is a full-time job and then the learning that parents would like to be involved in just has to happen at the end of the day. And that's something that got me thinking a little bit more about it is how did we get to this point? Obviously, there's a long history in it. There's probably a lot of people who are both somewhat familiar with it and a lot of people who are probably a lot more familiar with it than I am. But as you kind of dive into the history of education, you can see both just by looking at it from you know where we're at today, the influence of the Industrial Revolution on our modern day education complex. And you can kind of see that everywhere from the way it was designed. Much of our education today was designed in the industrial age and it was really designed for an industrial age. You know, as the factory was coming into existence, you know, a lot of the those principles and a lot of that thinking was put into place in our educational institutions. You know, the idea of bringing everybody into, you know, one large uh, centralized place, having everybody kind of go through a lot of the same curriculum together, putting them into, you know, groups based on age, uh, as opposed to any other sort of makeup, whether that was based on interest or based on skill level or based on other things. And we kind of group them based on age, which something that we probably should be questioning as well, which we don't question enough. Moving people to the sound of a bell, very much a factory-like mentality, and then having them there for an entire day and then, you know, coming back home. So, you know, you can kind of see the influence of this if we just take a step back for a minute and see how much of it was really influenced by industrial age thinking and how much of it still remains with this very foundational factory-like mentality. Much of the educational foundations that we have today were also brought about by the Prussian education system, which really influenced education all around the world. They had a very interesting and for the time probably a really good education model, which was very efficient, as you would expect from a Prussian model. The idea of getting people educated, getting them into the system and training them really to be loyal, to be disciplined, and to be good, solid citizens, which was something that at that time was was really important in the education system. And so this was kind of adopted throughout the world. It was kind of made the basis for education everywhere. And there are some aspects of that that you know are good and important. And as it was being adopted, a lot of people found that to be a good model. And it's something that from its foundations, you know, we still have today. And something that I don't think we question nearly enough, the idea that do we really still need an education model that its foundations are to make people disciplined and ready for you know, a a factory style of work to be able to sit quietly for seven hours a day and to take orders and to do things that they're told. That's not really the type of economy that is going to be shaping the future or 
the types of workers that we need to have. We don't need people who we can tell what to do and then have them go and repeat steps. We need people who are more creative and more free thinking, not necessarily you know, completely loyal and completely disciplined, but that's kind of the model that we have and, and how we got to it today. As we kind of look at the history, we can see a lot of those things that have been brought forward, which is really interesting because that brings us to where we're at today. And so having an understanding of some of that history, I think really helps us start to understand where we're at and start to question some of the things that we have so that we can start to think about, are there better ways of doing things? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's got me thinking a lot about that. And the one of the issues in terms of thinking about, is this the right way? The problem that you run into is that the system is so large. You know, we've created this large institution that is education, these large schools that we build, you know, in our communities and send all of the students to all day long. It's all so big. <laughs> and kind of complicated in that way, that it's difficult to add any kind of flexibility and uniqueness in there. And it's got me wondering if maybe these large institutions are too big in a lot of ways. And then you look at what's happened now with the COVID-19 and the need to shift the way we learn and how education is done. It's really thrown a wrench into our educational system and had everyone kind of playing a game of catch up in terms of how we can start to add some flexible options in terms of remote learning. What do you think about that? I mean, what options are we looking at moving into this this new upcoming school year? And what do you think would be, you know, good options for parents? It's a great question. I think with the advent of COVID-19 and some of the changes that it has pushed upon us or accelerated in a lot of ways, it gives us the opportunity to ask a lot of these questions, to rethink a lot of the, the notions that we've had for so long, and to really take a look at what we've been doing and to understand it better and to think about, should we keep doing it? Should we do things differently? Some of the things that you know I look at for you know, the upcoming, I guess the, the near term, so the upcoming school year as well as the future, is how do we have and add much more flexibility into what we're doing for our students? We had to add that flexibility by force uh, coming out of the school year as we had to send everybody home. That pushed everybody remote very quickly. And, you know, I think made it difficult for a lot of parents, a lot of students, a lot of educators in a lot of ways. But it also gives us the opportunity to re-examine where we're at now and where we need to go in the future. So very near term, how do we start to add back modularly some of those pieces and components in order to give the right level of flexibility both to educators to students to families so that we don't have this huge problem of you know being in school all day and then trying to add on top of that all of those different things that that a lot of families are trying to do and just not able to find the time to do and then how do we start to do you know some of these other things like add uh, a lot more personalization into the both the curriculum and you know what students are trying to do so 
adding flexibility, taking away a lot of the the time at school, you know, focusing. And this is a huge thing that I'm just a, a massive advocate for. How do we start to refocus on the outcomes of what we're trying to do as opposed to the output? So how do we take away the time at school and really refocus on, you know, what it is that we're we're trying to learn and accomplish at school as opposed to just the time there. You know, that's a huge thing for people who, you know, work in the office. You know, it's not just about being in the office, it's about things that you're accomplishing there. If you can do that in six hours, is there a point of being there? for eight hours. If you can do this, the same amount in two hours, is there a point of being there for six hours and finding the right balance of those types of things? And then how do we also make this much more localized? Like you mentioned, you know, we have this behemoth system that is just so large and so complicated and even so complex. How do we start to break that apart and make it much more local so that there is much more control of it within communities and within local groups so that it actually reflects the needs of the people that it's serving better. Each state is different, and I think that that needs to be reflected in the education, but not even just at the state level. Every community is different. You know, our community is different than a community that is 100 miles away or 200 miles away, we can be within the same state and we can have very, very different needs. And so how do we start to really bring that into a much more local level so that we have more control and more say as to what's going on and start to break this down into a more personal more flexible, more local model. But what do you think? Let me turn that over to you. <laughs> I know you've got lots of thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I I feel like in a lot of ways, we've kind of come to this social understanding of parents sort of turning over their education of their children to the state. Now, that's not entirely true on all levels. Of course, parents try to be as involved in po- as possible. You know, you join the PTA, you volunteer in classes, you go to on field trips, you help where you can, you help with homework. But at the same time, you, you send your kids to school and you expect them to be educated there. Uh, me personally, for me and my kids, I would like to be much more hands-on than that. Does that mean that I want them to not be involved in school no, I don't want to do homeschool entirely. I, I'm open to doing some of that myself, but I think there's a lot of value in my kids learning from another teacher, learning the way other people see things, you know, the way they interpret facts, the way they interpret things in the world. I don't want them to learn that just from me and you. I want them to learn that in other ways and other places and from other people and the, to shape their own views in that way. For me personally, yeah, I think the having some time with a teacher and other students is super important. No, I don't think it needs to be on a full-time scheduled day. Like you were saying, if you can get something done in two hours, why do you need to be there for six? Um, For us, we don't need that. And then we could free up some of that time in the day to do other things, whether that's family time, whether that's additional study time on our own, whether that's what we're calling extracurricular activities, you know, just additional education, um, additional ways that they can grow as children. That would ideally be what I would want. So 
Um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity to create some of those options. I think that this pandemic has kind of forced our hand, you know, but at the same time, it can be viewed as an opportunity. It's not something scary. It's actually really exciting, this idea that we could um, start to change education, you know, for the better. And I also want to say, this is in no way a criticism of our wonderful teachers or educational system, really, like on a personal level. I love our teachers that we have here at our local elementary school. And I love the elementary school and I love the administration. And I also think that the people working for the school district here uh, in the county that we live are wonderful people and that they're trying really hard to do a great job. Um, and I think really highly about the human ability to improve things. So that's really the spirit in which this is coming from. It's not from a place of negativity. It's just from a place of saying, we are bright people and we have bright minds working on things and we can we can do better. And I and I know we can because I know these bright people. And um, I think if we all come together with these kind of fresh ideas, we could really shape something really great for the future educational system. So that's that's the place that this is coming from. So yeah, I, I would really love to see some more flexibility. Obviously, there are some cases where some parents need to have their kids in school for longer amounts of time. I think what I am hoping for is some middle ground. Some parents would benefit more from being completely remote. And then others like me would like some sort of uh, middle ground where we could do remote learning and also have some learning uh, with an interactive classroom. Now, if we can't do that in an actual classroom, I think an interactive online classroom would also suffice. That's a great option. But the point is, is that I think there's, there's a lot of room for options and that that's something that's really doable especially considering um, the, the technology that we have. If we could utilize that technology more, um, we could really change the way education is done and make it a lot more efficient and also add a lot of flexibility for families. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And I think it speaks a lot to what we've been able to accomplish with the system that we have in place that we've been able to bring it so far. And I'd echo... The point that you made, it really isn't about the great people that we have working on these hard problems. It really is about the foundations in place, which make it very, very difficult to build the right things on top of. And that's fundamentally where a lot of the problems lie, is that we just don't have a lot of the right foundations in place. And it makes it very, very difficult to do some of these things when really the system was built and designed with a lot of different purposes in mind and for a different time and for really a lot of different purposes than we have today. And so how do we start to rethink that? How do we redesign it? And that's something that I think is a lot of us hopefully are waking up to is that the designs of a lot of our systems are flawed. And if we take a step back and realize that a lot of these systems that we have in place, a lot of these institutions, a lot of these things that have been longstanding, they have fundamental flaws to them. And let's rethink some of them. Let's let's question some of our assumptions and let's acknowledge the fact that we do have very, very bright, talented people who 
if we work together, we can make them much, much better. So let's walk through an example. I think this would be really helpful. Like what potentially could this look like for, you know, some different groups of people, kind of a, a flexible or a modular approach to a school day? Because I, I find this really, really intriguing. So from your perspective, like what would, what could something like that look like? Yeah. So from my perspective and what I think it could look like, you could have a flexible schedule where it's a short time in the morning, perhaps, where you come together and meet as a class, whether that's in person at, at a classroom or whether that's virtually. Um, and you can kind of uh, get some of that group learning. There could be some sort of lesson and discussion going on there. And then some assignments can be made then you could break apart. For us, that could be uh, my opportunity to step in and also work with my with my children, our children, on their schoolwork and get that completed and meet the tasks that are, have been set forth by the teacher. Also have some opportunities for some group study or some experiments or that sort of thing, whether that's both virtually or in person. Um, I think both of those things are doable. And then there could be some sort of office hours available for the teacher to be able to meet one-on-one -on -one with students, you know, for a short time to help them with any questions that they have or some parts of, you know, what they're learning that might be a struggle. And that could be available for students. And then that, and that enables you to have like a shorter school day, but also a more efficient school day rather than uh, feeling like you're going to be in the classroom for six hours, you're able to get things done quicker, more efficient, and then to have some opportunity for the parents to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your day. What do you think? What, what would be your example? I agree completely with what you're saying. So offering the flexibility for those who would like it or have the opportunity to take advantage of it, offering flexibility for teachers to be able to focus their efforts better, and then still offering the flexibility for parents who may need to take advantage again of the way that school is right now, you know, for students to, you know, to be able to stay there and, you know, still have the option of, you know, a more traditional school. So, right. If and if Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. If you think about um, if there are people like us who are willing to voluntarily say, hey, I'm ready and prepared to take on more of the responsibility. Um, I'm going to partner with you as a teacher and I'm going to take on some of that responsibility of educating. That's enabling that teacher to refocus some of her skill on some of the other kids that may uh, maybe their parents are working full time, both of them, and have such a, a rigid work schedule that they don't have that ability. So um, you're really freeing up that resource time you know, that's so precious for that teacher and allowing them to refocus it on uh, other students. So I see it as kind of a win-win because I'm getting that flexibility that I want and that more involvement that I personally want, but I'm also freeing up that resource to be used on other students who could really use it more than we could. Yeah. So if you were talking long-term, you know, we're kind of out of, you know, the COVID-19 environment, you know, and we're, we're back in school. Our kids are going for, you know, two or three hours in the morning to class and then, you know, they're focused on some core part of the curriculum and then they're coming home at that point. And, you know, they're working with us on, you know, some some specific 
parts of the curriculum that we're doing at home, while other students may be staying in, in class for you know longer parts of the day, working specifically with teachers at the school, uh, taking advantage of that. You know, while we're doing stuff at home, while we're doing stuff virtually, um, you know, maybe their other students are at school doing stuff virtually there. Uh, you know, maybe teachers are offering virtual help sessions or you know in-person office hours at school, that type of thing, just have more free time. You know, maybe at some point as well, you know, there's the, the opportunity to kind of expand out this idea of virtual classrooms to not just local schools, but uh, make that more of a national or even international experience where you're getting still the live in-person experience where it's still synchronous, but across boundaries, you know, no longer confined to like uh, your, your neighborhood, but having the chance to interact with students across the nation or across the world in different programs. And so, you know, really kind of taking this idea of the the virtual synchronous experience to a whole new level. And so opening up that kind of flexibility to to really start to learn in a lot of new and different ways, all made possible by having this new level of flexibility uh, that everybody starts to experiment more with. But in order to get to that, we, we really have to start to rethink things and start to peel back the idea that we need to be sending our students to to a school and have them, you know, kind of going through all the same curriculum based on their age group for, you know, six or seven hours a day. You know, really starting to let them have some some freedom, explore their own interests, have more local control and especially more parent and family involvement in all of that. Mm -hmm. I think that the flexibility is really a key, a key thing there. And the way things are going right now, it's, it's been interesting to see it kind of pointed out that we need to have more involvement with technology. We need to have more options for parents. Um, and, and it is going to be important to have those options for everybody. You know, we're not saying that there shouldn't be the option to have kids at school for the majority of the day. That should still be an option for people who need it. But there could still be a lot of flexibility and parent involvement in that model as well. And then just having, you know, some some options on the table. It doesn't need to be a one size fits all approach. We could really start to make the education system more personal for individual students and for families to be more hands on and deciding how to fill that child's day in terms of learning. And I think that this is something that's really doable and it's really exciting to think about, actually. I know I'm super excited about the idea of it, and, I, and I'm starting to see it happen, too. I, there's um, there's a charter school that I've been reading about here uh, in Utah, and they are doing a lot of the things that we're talking about. And charter schools are a type of public school. The way that they model their school is that they do have uh, virtual 
teacher and classroom experience where they can interact with each other. And then they do break apart and uh, work on their own assignments at home. And then they can come back and have office time with the teacher one-on-one. And they also are able to get together in groups. You know, that's up to the parents to decide, of course, but to get together and work on things and study groups and that sort of stuff. So um, quite a lot of flexibility in that approach. Um, If this charter school can do it, I'm confident that other schools can adopt similar flexible models. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but there's no reason why we can't start to look at what those possibilities can be. Yeah. If you've ever purchased like a one size fits all item of clothing, you know that that's a lie. And it's not even one size fits most usually. No, there's no such thing. It never fits well, really for anybody. It's the same for education. Like there's no one size fits all or one size fits most or one size is going to work for most people. And we need to accept that and we need to start finding ways to better personalize and better accommodate more people into education and into our education system. And I think that technology can start to really, really help with that a lot more. And how can we start to incorporate that into all levels of education so that, uh, you know, even when we're back, if and when we're back in the classroom, uh, how can it be more common to utilize technology to help students uh, all along the way so that you know we can gauge where students are at? Uh, so it's not so much that, you know, an assembly line that is continually moving along, again, going back to kind of our factory example, that the lessons and and the education continues to move on regardless of where each student is at, but that we can continue to understand where each individual is and accommodate and tailor things to that specific individual. And I think that this pushes us, you know, this, this crisis where where we're at now pushes us further along in that direction and that we can take steps to move that way. And we are taking steps to move that way. But, you know, in the, in the discussions that we've been having, it's still an uphill battle. And, you know, as many educators and, and administrators who want to move in that direction, it still is going to take a lot of us helping to push and fight for that because you know there is still not as large an appetite to focus on what's right for students as there ought to be, uh, especially when it comes to allocating the right resources to education. I think we all probably understand that and know that just in looking at what kind of funding does education get and what kind of resources does it get. So how can we continue to help push that forward and both add our voices to it and also add our support to it in various ways. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important to think about. Um, The educators want our feedback and I think that it's actually pretty easy to get in contact with your uh, school district, um, those that are making these decisions and that are working with the state and in terms of funding and and the way things are allocated. Um, If you can 
think about uh, what you would like to see moving forward. I think that it's important to reach out to those folks and just let them know. In my personal experience, I've done that. And I've had some really, really good conversations with um, some really bright people that uh, want education to you know, move forward in the future with some flexibility. They want that, but they're not getting the support that they necessarily would like. Um, And if they could hear more feedback from more people that that's what's wanted, then that kind of can help build that momentum, right? And start to move that change uh, forward more quickly so that they can accomplish the things that, um, that really they have the goal of doing, and that is to provide the very best education that they can for our students. That's really what everybody wants. And if we can reach out and make sure that our thoughts and our opinions are in that conversation with them, and then they can help us to understand what we can do to help them and to move that forward. I think that's a huge part of it. It's really going to take you know, we've talked a lot about the involvement of parents in all of this. And so it's going to take involvement right now. It's not something that we can wait for and say, you know, when it comes, I'll be involved as a parent. Now the time is now. Yeah. <laughs> Act now. Yeah. There, there's no reason to just have this kind of, I'll take what I get kind of attitude. Be a part of it. Be, be a voice that is going to be heard. Think about what would work for you and your family. Think about what would work for your kids and then let people know there's no harm in that. You know, if, if it's coming from a, a place of positivity and Hey, thank you so much for educating my kids. I would love to see this in the future. They want to know. They want to know what families are, are thinking, you know, how things are working, because that is their goal is to provide the very best possible education as they can with the resources that they can. And it helps them to get this kind of feedback because they can go back and say, hey, there is a high demand for more flexibility. How can we make that happen? There is a high demand for more options. You know, how can we add some of these options? How can we restructure things? What do we need to do to allocate our resources properly to make this happen? The more they hear back from people, the more people that are involved in that conversation, the more possible it is. Definitely. And I think right now gives us a better time than ever before to just ask questions and to rethink a lot of things that maybe we haven't thought about before, or maybe we have thought, but just haven't questioned deeply enough. And it's something that I personally love to do, just ask questions of why. I think that it's something that kids are great at. You know, why is something like that? And a lot of times we just say, well, that's because that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrong answer. If you ever say that's because that's the way it is, you're wrong. It's never that's because that's the way it is. Uh, We need to know why. And then we need to question why that is the case. And most of the time that shouldn't be the case. So we need to be asking those questions of everything. And right now we're asking that of our school system and our education and how can we make it better? How can we help our, again, our great teachers to make it better? It's been impressive to me as we came out of the situation. Hopefully a lot of you out there had uh, positive experiences. I know it's probably been a mixed bag as schools you know, went to full remote, you know, some did it more successfully than others. I know our experience was massively positive. 
So shout out to everybody that we had the great opportunity to uh, work with. All of the teachers that we were working with just did an absolutely phenomenal job in transitioning in in an incredibly difficult environment to remote learning very, very quickly without any ability to do that uh, beforehand. And so it was great to see and watch. And if we can build off of those types of things with some forethought and leverage that going into the future, you know, it's a great opportunity for us as a society to really take our education to the next level and allow our children to have, you know, better opportunities and better education than, you know, most of us had. And I I think that that's something that most of us would probably agree is what we'd want. There are probably some some folks out there who think that I had to sit and learn to be quiet for seven hours a day, so my kids should too. And I guess, you know, that's fine if that's what you think, but there is probably a better way. And I would think that there certainly is a better way. So let's find that better way. It's definitely doable. Um, I've been super impressed with how teachers can adapt. I've seen it. They do a great job when they have the support. So that's what we need to do. We need to give them our support. We need to believe that they can do it. We need to help them to get the resources they need. And we can do that by communicating our our opinions and our desires for what the school system should be offering. Contact our local leaders, um, state leaders, contact your school district leaders, um, all of those people and let them know. And also let them know that you really appreciate them because they are working hard for you. But yeah, super bright minds can do amazing things. And I have full confidence that we can move this forward in a really positive way and kind of start to reshape education. I do think that most parents want their education, their children's education to be better than what we had. That's always what you want, right? You want your kids to have things better than you had it. That would be very strange indeed if you said, well, I had to suffer, so you must suffer too. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm excited. I think that this is a really great time of, of opportunity and that we should seize the day on that and get things moving. Move forward. Change things. It's great. Change is good. It doesn't have to be painful. It's not scary. It's an opportunity. Kyle also wrote an interesting article that you can view if you're familiar with Medium. If you'd like to read more about his thoughts on um, how education was shaped and, and the role of the industrial era on education and some thoughts about moving forward, you could look up that article give it a read. We'll post a link in the show notes. Yeah. Excellent. It's a good read. It's short too. So, uh, not too demanding on your time, but a a good summarization and it might whet your appetite to do some more digging of your own, which is always good. Good talk. All right. No, I think that just about covers it for me. I don't know. I can go on and on sometimes about talking (laughs) about where education should, should go and, and could go. The opportunities are are wide and and it's really exciting but i think we've covered most of what we've been talking about lately i guess that's a wrap then yep that's a wrap thanks again for listening if you liked our show don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app you can find out more on our website things to think on.co. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. 
You can also find Kelly on Twitter at S. Kelly Evans. See you next time.